At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's time for a new episode of PMG. Hi, everybody. Welcome to TMG. I'm your host, Travis Patton Sr. I enjoy discovering and sharing real life moments of inspiration from everyday people. And this show is about finding moments of inspiration for our everyday lives. And look, and if you're going to tell me something, then tell me something good. everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of PMG. I'm your host, Travis Patton Sr. Guys, real quick, before we get out of here, you know how we get started, don't forget to visit our YouTube page. That's coming from the good with the capital T. There it is right there, guys, on your screen. Visit our YouTube page. And guys, you know how I like to do it. Before we get this underway, I got to give a huge props. Biggest Shout out to my biggest supporter, my lovely wife, Nicole. Hey, Nicole, girl, how you doing? I know you're watching. I know you're listening. Everybody around the world knows your name, girl. Guys, I'm so excited to be here today. I've been talking about this show, this episode, all week, all week, all day. And my head is about to explode because I'm excited about it for my guest. Guys, listen, if you did not get a chance to catch the title of the show, the episode today is called Flip the Switch. Yeah, Flip the Switch. And as we get into it, you're going to find out why we need to flip the switch on some things. Guys, listen, you know this show has been around for a little while and it's taken some really great traction. All because of you, our listeners, and thank you. Uh, if this is your very first time tuning in, your very first time listening, let me take the time to tell you thank you for joining the show. I'm so glad that you took the time to tune in today. And maybe you say, Travis, man, I've been listening to your show for all three years. I'm zoned in. I'm tuned in. Thank you so much for listening 
to the show. We stay. As you can see, guys, that this show is all about finding ways to be inspired in our everyday life with everyday people like you, like me, like our special guest, like the person at the gas station, right? So, that being said, if you have a story that you would like to share and maybe come on the show as a special guest, or maybe you know someone with an inspiring story that they would like to share and become a guest on the show, guys, go ahead and shoot me an email. It's right there on your screen. Tell me something, 21 at gmail.com. And if you're going to go back and listen, let me just spell it out for you. T-E-L-L me something, 21 at gmail.com. Guys, if you can look behind me, you can see that we're honoring Women's History Month. Yeah, a lot of great women in history that have done some amazing accomplishment and amazing achievement. If it wasn't for them, uh, some of the things that we look forward to, some of the things that we take for granted, honestly, guys, would not be here. Uh, my wife, Nicole, shared something very fascinating with me. She shared a special link that had a, it's from a car company, a car commercial. And I won't mention the name of the car company, but I am going to put the link in chat if you want to check it out. And it's honoring women's history. You can check it out right there. There it is. Click on that link and you will see it. Guys, tonight's episode is going to be absolutely amazing. It's being heard in places all around the globe. Uh, China, Japan, guys, uh, the UK, uh, you name it. You, We are there. Uh, guys, tonight's episode is entitled Flip the Switch. Now, we have all felt pressure of life, pressures of life, right? In some way. Everything from our careers, our family, uh, relationships with others, and even the way we think about ourselves. Now, sometimes facing uh, these down, these things and facing down this anxiety and these negative thoughts and emotions can become as terrifying as going head to head with a lion. Now, wouldn't it be easier, just me just thinking, just, just me, wouldn't it be easier if there was a switch, one magical switch, you know, that we could turn these feelings off? Whenever we got overwhelmed, we just hit a switch and turn them off. Whenever anxiety hit us, we would hit it, switch, and just turn it off. You know, whenever pressures from jobs and family would come on, we flip a switch and it would just kind of turn off. Uh, guys, our special guest today, is an author uh, and a mental health advocate. Uh, through his experience, he says how to get out of our heads and try to find ways that that switch can be turned off. Guys, I want you to give a huge, warm TMG welcome for our very special guest, Brian Sassetta. Come on, Brian, get on here and tell everybody hello. Travis, I do not know if I can match that energy. Holy crap. You brought it, and I'm just leaning back over here like, hey, what's going on, everybody? Good to be here. Oh, man, we're glad to have you here. Guys, I told you he's a great guy. He's talking that right there. But, guys, listen, we talked before the show. We had a conversation well before. He's got plenty of energy, guys. Don't, don't let his mild-mannered demeanor fool you. He's got it in him. That's why he's here on the show. 
Man, it is an honor to have you here, Brian. Uh, it really is with the TMG. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Brian, and what it is that you do, man. Yeah, it's it's great to be here. Uh, the the energy is 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 really un, it's it's unlike something I've seen before. So I, I got to hand it to you, Travis. It's an amazing environment. Oh, uh, thank you, in, thank you, man. In terms of what I do, right? So I'm an author, blogger. Uh, podcaster in the mental health space. I, I run and own a brand called Get Out of Your Head, which is both a book series and that brand. Um, it basically seeks to help folks overcome anxiety and depression mm. in a in a variety of different ways, right? So got the blog posts, got a couple books, uh, have a coaching practice, work with folks to help them discover their own switches, right? Um, so you talked about at the beginning in the intro, like, how do we flip the switch? What is the switch? I do want to say there, there is no one magical switch. There is everybody has their own switches. And so what we have to do is we have to do this difficult inner work to figure out what those switches are, allow people to empower themselves to then, you know, find that information and say, okay, I've identified what my switches are. I'm in these anxiety provoking, depression provoking situations. I now need to go back to my switches and be like, boom, I got to hit that one, right? Oh, God, I told you. I told you he was going to bring it with you guys. I told you he was going to bring it. And you're absolutely right, Brian. I think, Brian, a lot of times, this isn't, this isn't me, but a lot of times, man, we, uh, we look for a one, we're in a society where we look for a one fix, uh, fix all. You know, if it's, if it's blue this time, we think blue is going to be, if the blue is the answer, we expect blue to fit every problem that we have. It's not a one-fix-all situation when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to stress, when it comes to depression, when it comes to battling or dealing with negative thoughts in our minds. And we look for that one-fix-all. You hit it right on the head, man. It is not one switch. And we want it to be like a light switch. You know, you come in a room, and if it's dark, you hit that one switch, and now there's light. And that's how we think life is. We hit one switch and all of a sudden, oh, now I'll be better. Or oh, now I'll think better. Or oh, now I'll perform better. Or oh, now I'll be a better person. And we have to understand going through life, it's going to take a series of switches that we're going to have to hit. It's not one switch that's going to make our entire lives better. It's going to be a whole series of switches that we're going to have to hit, right? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think some people, a good analogy to bring into this space right now is people will say like the journey to success is not a straight line, right? It's the yep. same thing with whether we're talking about like success in, you know, making money, getting a job that we want, whatever. Um, it's the same thing with mental health, right? It's like, there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. There's no such thing as like, oh, I, I figured it out. I'm good to go, right? Hey, Life has yeah. a way of throwing its challenges at us. But I think the main thing, right, is is sort of being able to zoom out and have the philosophical perspective that like, if I talk about myself, right, it's like, I know that whatever this life throws at me, I feel as though I have the tools to be able to figure those things out. And okay, maybe, you know, maybe something comes my way and I take five steps backward. But I know that at least in the last 10 years, the last 15 years, yep. I've taken 40 steps forward, right? And so it's like the, the, sort of overwhelming or the the underlying thing there is to just try to figure out ways to continue that forward progress, right? Because there, you know, like you said, there are going to be bad days. There are going to be times that life throws crap your way. So it's really just figuring out what are those tools that enable you and empower you um, to keep striving forward. 
Oh, man, you are absolutely right. Uh, when you mention the word tools, I think about a, a, a toolbox, you know, and whether you are handy with tools or maybe the only tool you know is a hammer or a screwdriver, it doesn't matter what that tool is. If you need a screwdriver, you grab a screwdriver or reach for a screwdriver or something that can work as a screwdriver. And that just takes a whole different perspective. If, if you can't find a tool that you need, then work with the tool that you have. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go there, Brian. But what that just simply means, Brian, if I can't, if everything isn't working the way I want, if it doesn't look how I want, make it work with what you got. Do something. But the accountability falls on us to use those tools. If I want to build something, I can have the brand new tools, the best of tools. But if I never go in that box, man, those tools will sit there and they'll rust. They'll have name brands on them. But, guys, listen, we can do it. That's why we're here tonight, guys. Flip the switch. It's going to take multiple switches to get where we're trying to go. No doubt. Yeah. I, I you know, one thing I want to touch upon real quick before we jump on to the next subject is so. You know, I've got this book. The first one in my brand in my series is called Get Out of Your Head, a toolkit for living with and overcoming anxiety. So it really touches upon what you just mentioned, right? It's it's having this toolkit, this tool belt, this set of tools that we can leverage. Um, and I think it's it's sort of like we have to figure out what kind of person we are, right? Are we a carpenter? Are we a general contractor? Something like that, right? Because not everybody is gonna have the same tools in their, you know, sort of proverbial toolkit. And so a lot of the work that I do involves throwing different ideas at you, the listener, the reader, and allowing those folks to distill those things down, try them on, so to speak, and be like, that one works for me. That resonates with me. That does not resonate with me. I don't like that idea, right? Unfortunately, Absolutely. it's like, um, like you said, there is no one size fits all solution here. So we have to try a bunch of different things out. The good news though, is that there are so many different strategies out there and it doesn't take that much time, right? To be like, hey, you know what? I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to do some box breathing or something like that. Absolutely. And then, and then maybe we say to ourselves, hey, I didn't actually like that. I'm going to go try something else. So, you know, the, the overall philosophy of what I do is help it. Uh, it's helping people find what those tools are, try them on and build their own individualized toolkits. Because it's like, if I give you mine, it might not be the right one for you. So we're all, we're all oh, about man. trying to find what that toolkit is. And then that way, when you find yourself in those situations where you need those tools, you can pull them out. Absolutely. That's, you did snap. He says, what one person has may not be exactly what you need. You know, have you ever needed something and you go ask someone to borrow something? Hey, can I borrow blah, blah, blah? Or do you have blah, blah, blah? And they go, no, I don't have that. You know, for me, it will be like, some people say, hey, look, man, I want to make something to drink. Uh, I got I got peanut butter, but no jelly. You know, you, you, you have peanut butter, but you don't have the jelly. You don't have the other tool to go along with it. So you have to search it out. We may not have every tool we need, but we have to search it out. Brian, uh, uh, quite a few people, and this is 2023, 2023, man, everything is instant. And when, and when everything comes instant, man, there's a lot of pressure on instant. It's a lot of pressure because if I do what, if one person does something instantly and they get instant results, I'm expecting that now too. If I do the same thing, I want instant results. We look for instant. And there's a lot of pressure and anxiety in today's society from instant 
answers, instant, you know, questions, instant things. So quite a few people battle with depression. I know I have family members that dealt with depression. I dealt with depression uh, a long time ago. And a lot of people may be dealing with it and don't realize it and, and want to maybe hide it or tuck it under because of the mystique that goes along with it. Maybe because they just don't know enough about it, you know. But a lot of quite a few people deal with depression and anxiety on a day-to-day basis. Some people woke up with depression. They woke up through the whole day with anxiety or feeling anxious feelings. And they think, well, I'm just this. I just don't like this. Um, and sometimes it's done privately. That's the worst part about it. Sometimes these feelings are done privately. They know about it, but they won't tell anybody about it, Bri. It just won't. Uh, meaning that they don't want anyone else to know about this. Was this ever the case with you? Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Um, you know, I, I think about being in high school, being in early college, mm-hmm. dealing with mostly anxiety. Depression really didn't hit me until uh, later in college and then another episode, you know, however many years later. Uh, but yeah, mostly anxiety in high school and college. And, you know, when I think there's a few things going on there, right? Not just for myself, but for other people is like, there is the stigma of like, you know, society tells us, or at least in the past has definitely told us that it's like not okay to not be okay. Right. Um, did I lose you? Oh, no, I'm still here, man. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, you know, society sometimes tells us that it's not okay to not be okay. Uh, there is that piece, which is basically we internalize that information. And then we say to ourselves, like, because I'm not okay, I can't tell anybody about it because society is telling me, you know, that I'm not supposed to feel that way. I think the other part too, though, is a little bit of fear of intimacy, right? It's like um, a lot of us are afraid to open up about anything, you know, or, or, or certain things. And so at least from my experience, I know that like as a 19 year old, it was like, I didn't want to talk about feelings. I didn't want to talk about anything, you know, with, with other people, with therapists, with family members, with friends, whatever. It was like, as a dude, especially, we mostly wanted to, you know, hang out, drink, play video games, play basketball, whatever it was. So I think those two forces are really kind of ride in tandem. And so it's like, yes, there is this prevailing societal notion of like, hey, you know, we're not supposed to feel this way. But also a lot of that, like, we can take ownership of the part that like, maybe we're not comfortable feeling that way. And we're not comfortable opening up to other people, regardless of what society says. So a lot of the work that I do as well, you know, with my brand is like helping folks figure out how how to be a little bit more emotionally vulnerable, right? And, and letting them know that it's okay that way in the right situations. In fact, um, you know, it's like the more you hold those emotions in, I think you eventually get to a point where you realize that like they're just going to eat away at you. So it's like eventually you 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 reach this tipping point of like saying, I, I actually need to do something about this because regardless of what I'm telling myself and society is telling me, this is no way to live, right? Absolutely. A- absolutely, man. Uh, we, we, we as humans, I say we, us, everybody, people, we are quick to mask our greatest pain and we'll hide it behind different things. And, and, and society will tell us, hey, look, you, you need to keep something inside. Society sometimes will tell us we need to keep some things private. You know, you need to keep your mental illness to yourself private, keep that, keep it private. And because we listen to society sometimes and we do keep it private, we struggle with it privately. But, and the, but here's the worst part of Brian, though, Brian. We struggle with it privately, but we openly, publicly, it's being seen. You know, we look at a lot of things that happen in the news and then it comes out, oh, they dealt with depression. 
they did this happen, this this terrible thing happened, but it was because they battled depression. Yep. They did this terrible, uh, awful event to this school or to this church or to this whatever is because they thought so negative about themselves. We we fight it privately, but really it's a public battle, man. Yeah, and it it is. There's no doubt. Like I'm not trying to trivialize the the notion of of coming out, so to speak, and being like I deal with these things. Right? It is difficult. You, nobody wants to raise their hand and be like, I'm struggling. I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm dealing with depression. Like, let's just flat out say that. Right? Nobody wants to deal with that. Absolutely. At the same time, right? If you if you think about some, you know, some of these sort of uh, platitudes or, or just like, uh, I don't know, cliches that people will throw around, there's actually a lot of those apply pretty well, right? So, so one of them that I'm thinking about is like, you're only as sick as your secrets, right? It's like, um, okay, if you are depressed and you are not telling anyone about it, like, dude, that's a secret and it is killing you. It is making you sick, right? Literally. literally. Yeah. The, the other one that I think about, right, is like, um, you know, some different, uh, it's, it's not, a, a, it's a very simple thing, but like people will say, tell the truth. Right. Uh, I think Jordan Peterson sometimes says like, that's one of his mantras or whatever is like, tell the truth. And I think a lot of people look at that and say like, oh, I'm telling the truth because I said my name was Brian or, you know, when, when, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't say that my name was Frank or something like that. Right. But if you really get nuanced about like telling the truth, it's like, are you displaying who you are to the world? Uh, you know, accurately? Are you being honest about what you're going through internally? And don't get me wrong, like, you know, there's times where it's like, you wake up, you're having a bad morning, you don't always necessarily need to run to Instagram and be like, I'm having a bad morning, because and I'm telling the truth about it, right? But in general, from a from a broad context, it's like, if I am, let, let, I'll just use myself, right? If I am depressed, and I'm going on Instagram all the time saying like, look at how amazing my life is, I'm having all this fun, yada, 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 it's like, that is dishonest, right? And that is actually fueling, probably subconsciously, uh, the depression even more because now there's a disparity between what we look like on the inside and what we are presenting to the world. And we're saying, "Oh, dude, like I that those th those two things don't match up." And so this rift is actually creating more pain inside of me. And so tell the truth, right? It's like be honest about who you are, what it, what generally what you are doing in your life and what are you, you are going through, uh, which feeds back into that you are only as sick as your secrets, right? It's like, if you are holding things in, you're not being honest, and it's probably creating a lot of pain for you. So I know those are high level and vague cliches. But like, I think when you think about it, they make a lot of sense, right? And it's like, again, not every day do you necessarily need to be like, I feel like a 10. And I feel like an eight. And I feel like a four. But in general, right, it's like you think, I guess another example, right, it's like when people have jobs that they don't enjoy and they show uh -huh. up every single day and they're like, this job sucks, but I can't tell anybody about it. And I'm throwing my life away, that sort of thing. It's like, that is also, exactly. I, I, don't get me wrong, it, there are challenges there, right? It's like everybody has to pay the bills and put, put food on the table. I totally get it. But at the same time, it's like holding the two things at the same time and saying, okay, I do need to pay the bills and I need to feed my family and all that but I don't like what I'm doing here and I'm not being honest with myself about how I'm living in my life. Is there a way for me to so, sort of bridge the gap between those two things, become a little bit more honest, so to speak, um, and then from there, like, maybe that will help me emotionally? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Could not have said that better. And it reminds me of this, Brian. Man, uh, life is kind of like a, one of those, you ever see one of those, those scales of justice? where she's holding and life is kind of like this one day everything's like this for you and it's a 10 or eight 
and then some days it's like this and you are so four or three and then sometimes you're trying to find out what can you put over here to balance yourselves out ourselves out because sometimes we aren't the best we don't feel the best and it's not that we're terrible or bad or good we life is a juggling it's a balancing act you know where am i today you know uh yesterday i was definitely at an eight now i'm more by six today you know again yeah and because we have social media because everything is so instant right there in front of us access immediate uh it does add that own stress pressure when we're on social media a lot and we see it everybody seems they're being great they're in good mood and you and we ask ourselves what switches do i need to flip to look like that what switches do i need to flip to be like that what switches do i need to flip because every time i see their picture they're happy every time i see them they're enjoying themselves they got to be the happiest person on this earth and here i am miserable and you know you know what i'm saying yeah. and when i first discovered social media man i i i took everything as face value like oh geez everybody's happy like wow the grief and i realized oh these are just screenshots these are just a, you know these are just the the um the movie trailers that's all these are this, this isn't the real movie and then they hit me oh crap please this is nothing and we we that stress of things that we see whether it's social media or in our families the stress of what we hear and it causes that anxiety on us and we try to figure out what is that one thing that one switch that we can hit man that can turn things around for us that one switch and again i'm gonna keep, keep saying this throughout the episode through the show guys there is no one switch if we believe that there is one switch that will turn everything around we'll go through life frustrated we'll go through life searching for one switch and there's a series of switches well how do you know this i remember i lived in an apartment brian a, a while back and i lived in this apartment actually it was a house and you could come through one door and it had a light switch that could control the lights and it had two entrances and if you go through the other entrance it also had a switch that could control the light so there were multiple switches depending on which door you came through that could give you control of the lights depending on our experiences guys we will have multiple switches no one experiences the same thing and because we all have different experiences we all have different switches brian you just made me think of something interesting right where you got this room you got two light switches they both control the same light not only are there multiple switches but on different days those switches do different things right so it's like on day one i'm like oh i thought that light i thought that switch turned the light off now it looks like it turns it on i go to the other side of the room oh i thought that light did the opposite <laughs> right so it's it's really having that con contextual awareness yep. to be able to say like I'm in this specific kind of situation or this is what is going on around me. So I might need a different strategy. I might need to look at this strategy in a different fashion um, because, you know, as, as we're alluding to here, it's like depending on that context, the, the, the results of the strategy may change. The switch, the switch may do different things. Absolutely. And you know what, man, I thought about it. I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on that. It depends on how we left the last switch. 
I like that. Yeah, so definitely. depending on how we left the last situation, depending on how we approached or had our last perception of that thing, that depends on what you have to do for the next switch. Our perception plays a huge part when it comes to anxiety and stress and depression. So depending on the last impression that something made on us, depending on the last impression, the last person left on us, the last employer, if we have an employer that was really cruel and mean and they was it's horrible, the next employer we get, we're going to be a little anxious and a little timid because that last impression, the last next person, last person left on us, and it's going to depend on how we handle that switch, baby. Oh, so yeah. it depends on how that last perception of that last thing, that person left, whether it was the last boyfriend, the last husband, the last wife, whatever it was, that last impression is going to determine how we approach that switch. Are we going to turn it on or off or what? And we'll be like, well, I don't know. The last time I turned that on, you know, the lights didn't come on. I hit it. I thought it was supposed to come on, but it turned it off, Brian. Yeah. Last last week, according to what you were saying, last week it turned it on. Now it's turning it off because of that last impression, man. It left some stress on me. It left some anxiety on me because I don't know how the last person left that last switch. Or worse, you living with somebody else, and they turned the switch on, and it turned the lights off. And you come in, and you, you think it's going to turn it off, and here it is. So depending on how the last person left us. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that I could dive into there, right? I think one of the things that that reminds me of is, is just the notion that our experiences make us who we are, right? And if, if you exactly. take that, if you apply that in the most extreme version to mental health, it's like the traumas that we go through literally like live in our, our like our, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score, right? And it's like the mind and the nervous system hold on to those events. And it's like, we'll go to future events that remind us of those things and we'll act in the same fashion or like whether, you know, whatever we took away from that first event, um, that will then sort of guide us maybe in a positive fashion, maybe in a negative fashion. And a lot of like, if you go to therapy, if you, if you work with a therapist or a psychiatrist, right? Yep. A lot of that work involves digging into that past and saying, Absolutely. how did those events shape you? What map was created? as a result of that. And one of the tricky things we're talking about switches, right, is it's not just what are the switches, what do they do, whatever. If you have such a negative experience, a traumatic experience, guess what might happen? You might not even remember that those switches are there. That experience blinds you to, you know, how you then see the world, what, what else is in front of you, what could help you, you know, get out of your, your current situation. Absolutely, man. You said it right on, man, head on. Uh, so we talked about some things, Brian, you initially when you were dealing with some anxiety in college and different things like that. And we talked about how sometimes people, uh, we deal with things uh, silently, in person, in private. And we say, just mine. I don't want anybody to know about this. So, And we talked about that. Was A lot of times, did you keep a lot of it to yourself because of the, the uh, because of the stigma that kind of goes along with it in society? I don't want anybody to know what know what I'm dealing with because how it's going to make me look. I, I think, you know, kind of going back to that, that answer previously, I, I was more of just not being comfortable with being, you know, vulnerable, being emotionally intimate with anybody, something like that. It scared me to be like, you know, 
I mean, first of all, there's, there's the question of what am I dealing with? If you're 18 years old, uh, maybe today because of social media and, you know, the way that kids interact and the fact that mental health is getting more of the conversation that it deserves, maybe somebody who's 18 today would understand what all those things are. When I was 18, you know, that was, uh, <laughs> I was going to say 30, uh, that was 14 years ago, something like that. Um, the, the conversation around mental health was not large enough yet. So I, I just didn't know what it was that I was dealing with. I was like, I know that I deal with what I would call nervousness, but I don't know what a panic attack is, what anxiety is, all of those things. So a lot of like half of it was not knowing the battle that I was in. The other half was like, I don't want to tell anybody about this stuff. Uh, number one, because I don't know what it is. Number two, because, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be emotionally vulnerable. And then the third part, I think, is kind of feeds into both parts, the uncertainty of like, what if, what if, you know, all, all the what if questions of like, what if what I'm dealing with is actually really bad? What if it's, you know, this terrible condition that plagues me for the rest of my life or people are just like, oh man, you have that? Like you're in big trouble. Oh man, yeah. That, you know, so it's sort of like, it, it was me trying to suppress uh, and push it away. And I think, you know, that is a defense mechanism or a coping mechanism, right? Where you're just like, I'm not going to deal with this right now. And don't get me wrong, like, that can work in certain situations, um, you know, for, for the smaller stuff, right? But for the big stuff, uh, not so much, right? So it eventually kind of hit a tipping point, I would say, you know, it's really interesting, like, um, I, I'm, I'm going to make a, uh, a, a generalization here. And f forgive me if, if it's wrong, but I think that women are pretty good at, at detecting emotions. I think men are not as good at it. Uh, there was a day at some point, you know, in college where my mom, like I, I was home for the summer and I was dealing with this thing in my head. Right. And my mom was just like, dude, you don't seem like yourself. Uh, you know, you seem irritable, yada, yada, like what's going on. And that was actually really helpful for me to, cause it was like the first time that I had a bridge to be like, okay, I, I have an opportunity to talk about this. Whereas, you know, going out on your own and sort of opening up that conversation can be really difficult. So I, you know, I, my mom was, uh, she still is a very important person to me, uh, a, a true confidant and all that, like a very loving, supportive person. I think to myself, like, hey, if, I, if she didn't sort of extend that, you know, extend that hand, I don't necessarily know where I would be today. I mean, I think I eventually would have gotten to the point where it's like, okay, I'm feeling bad enough that I need to go do something. But sometimes we get lucky, right? Sometimes somebody crosses our path and says like, hey, how are you doing? Or have you tried this thing? Um, and I don't know, that's, that's grace like in, in, the, uh, in action right there. Absolutely, my man. You know, you you touched on stuff that having people in your corner, a support team or someone to support you is very, very important because when we're in situations like that, and let's just be honest, guys, and I'll be the first to raise my hand. Sometimes we can't trust our own thoughts. You know, uh, sometimes we just can't trust our own thoughts when we're in situations like that. It's tough. You know, we would like to. We would like to think that we could trust everything that we think in our heads and our minds. But honestly, we just can't trust every thought that comes in our head. And I know I can't. I know you can't. So we can't. Uh, guys, so, Brian, uh, when did you kind of when when did you kind of begin to realize and accept that you needed to reach out to kind of get resources to, to help you out? Now, I know I know you're a big component on um, having the right information uh, in hand. And I, a lot of times you dealt with a lot of things. You suffered a lot of things or went in different, different directions because at first you didn't have the right information. You know, you didn't have the right information. You didn't have the right what to's and how to's to do. 
So when did you begin to realize it's simply the fact that you need to reach out to get better resources to help you, man? Yeah, I, I don't have like a clean answer on this one. I think sometimes all of this stuff can be sort of a progression, right? Mm-hmm. One day you pick something up over here or there, there's some sort of event that pushes you in a certain direction. I would say like from a high level, I, I think sort of these significant events were when I got to college, it really hit me. Like I was, mm. I talk about it at the beginning of my first book. I was, I had uh, met this girl that I liked. It seemed like we both kind of were interested in each other. And um, there was one Friday night, uh, Friday or Saturday, forgive me, uh, but it was a weekend night. I was with some of my friends. Like, I, I don't know what we were doing, playing video games or something. We weren't drinking. And um, I, I got a text message from this girl and she was mm. very animated and was like, hey, I want to come over and whatnot. And I was like, I think she's been drinking. Uh, it wasn't, you know, I was 18 years old, right? It's like, I, I was absolutely not in, in the mindset of like, oh, like, and I never would be, but it's like, uh, I know that when people, I just want to preface and say, when people tell these stories, there's always a little bit of sketchiness of like, oh, you know, like that's, you know, one person was intoxicated, one wasn't, that's like taking advantage of it. That, that was not, that was not even on the radar. It was like, I might go get, grab a couple beers to get on this person's level and, you know, have a good time. Right, for, right. For me though, I was, I was so nervous. I was like, I had had a panic attack in front of a girl that I liked Wow. Probably, probably six months prior. And that really, you know, again, going back to the trauma aspect, I, I'm not, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily say that that experience was traumatic, but it was definitely a significant emotional event for me. Mm-hmm. And those events stick with us, with us, right? Yep. So here I am in college. This girl is that I like is like, Hey, I'm coming over, yada, yada. And I can tell based on her text messages that she's been drinking. So I'm like, I don't know if she's going to be aggressive, forceful, whatever. Like all I know is that I am really nervous because the last time or, or one of the last times that I had an experience like this, like I freaked out in front of this girl that I liked and, and things went really poorly, you know? Um, so anyway, like she comes over and uh, long and short, I have a panic attack in front of her and she flips out. And oh, it, wow. was, it was very embarrassing, right? That's all I can say. Like, that's the only way that I can put it. I was freaking humiliated. I was 18 years old. Like, here we go. Like, you know, this girl that I like, whatever. And she is throwing f-bombs at me in the hallway being like you're a freak whatever and i'm not i'm not trying to speak poorly of this person right it's like she's a good person i know her uh that that's not the intention here uh it's more just describing my experience and being like exactly exactly i woke up that next day and and i mean i i don't even know if i slept that night right it was like you know as an 18 year old guy all you care about is going to the gym drinking playing sports women that might be it that's it you know, so it was like one of those core pillars of my life shattered. <laughs> and I'm, it, and again, like uh, that's when you're 18, right? And then you get older and you realize that there are very, very many important <laughs> things in your life. And that's just one of those things. But at the time I was pretty mortified, humiliated, all of those, all of those words. Mm-hmm. So I woke up that next day and I was just like, that was one of those events where it was like, I hit the wall uh-huh. and I'm like, I need to do something about this. Absolutely, and so that, man. that was one of those that, I would say, you know, it, it figuratively started the journey. It also literally started it in the sense that like, it's that story is the first story of, of in, in all of my books. Right. And so it's like, uh, that really set me on the path to being like, I need to do something about this. Now, what I will say is that, that sort of, I need to do something about this was more an internal uh-huh. sense. I didn't, it wasn't at that point that I was like, I'm going to a therapist tomorrow. Uh, I'm talking about right. this. It wasn't until a little while later that, you know, my mom approached me and was like, Hey, you don't seem like yourself. What's going on. She really helped me sort of bridge that gap and have conversations, you know, uh, open up and whatnot. And then 
there was another event in my senior year of college where I went into this depressive episode and I came, mm-hmm. I was on spring break with my friends uh, and I just had the worst week. Like I was just so, in such a dark, dark place. I came home uh, and, you know, again, like my mom has been so supportive throughout all of this and she picks me up at the airport and she's like, how was it? And I was just like, it was so horrible. Like mom, let's go get help. Like, and I think I was probably already with a therapist at that point, but mm-hmm. I was just like, like, I need to go to therapist right now. You know, and I think all of us have events like that where we get pushed far enough where if we were unwilling to talk about things before, it's it's like survival is pretty much at stake, right? It's like if I don't go and talk about this, if I don't find help, like I'm not saying that I was suicidal or anything like that, but like there are, you know, events push us and people to those places. And so eventually you get to those points where you're like, I have to do something. Back is against the wall. That is that brings up another point, Bri. Uh, uh, sometimes they say when push comes to shove or when the rubber meets the road, uh, a lot of things, things we say we would not do. If the situation comes down to it, we have to find ourselves in that position to do so. Now, whether it's a push come to shove moment in our lives. And listen, guys, let me tell you this. Everybody on this planet has survived, that's living right now, that's listening, has survived the pandemic or gone through the pandemic. If you didn't know that you were already in a push to come and shove moment, you missed it. I mean, you you have banks that are closing. You know, it's hard sometimes to find good employment. You survived a pandemic, people. We were all, listen, we all had to be isolated in our homes for months if this is not a push come to shove moment i've never seen one i will never know one you will never encounter one where things are stressed on us because of racial disparities or maybe because economical problems man we are already in a push come to shove moment whether we want to accept it or not whether we want to realize it or not do we all may need counseling or see a counselor i can't make that adjustment i can't make that a requirement or something for anybody however if you know you're feeling overwhelmed and you know you're dealing with thoughts that you can't handle and you've already tried to handle it yourself listen you are already in a push come to shove moment and already start you know this when the lights are out in a room and you start in the dark, you start flipping, reaching for the switch to turn. We don't even realize that we're already in the dark looking and trying to feel for that switch to turn on to give us some light. Because the last time you came into this room with the light out, you hit your toe on something and you start saying everything. Talk about dropping F-bombs. We were saying everything, bro, because we're already in the dark feeling for the switch to turn on. So there wasn't a specific time, a specific moment, but there were moments that you start began to realize that, okay, something's not quite the way it should be. I don't quite feel as natural. And I don't say normal because there's no to me anybody's normal is different. As natural as it should be in my life. So what are some unique challenges that you or you already mentioned to come of them? Like you when you were on a date in relationships. So those are some of the unique challenges you face while trying to manage your depression and anxiety. It kind of help with uh 
so your your relationships with other individuals start to have uh, challenges and problems. Am I kind of correct? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to jump into either of those subjects. I think maybe to to pivot a little bit, right? So mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit about anxiety. Why don't we jump into depression? Let's do it. Um, you know, I, I tell these stories in hopes that like it'll spark something in someone else that will sort of be like, oh, I deal with that, right? And then maybe we figure out a way to move past it or we talk about that sort of thing. And then whoever it is that is listening in might be, might be able to, uh, that might resonate with them. And then maybe they take that into their own life, right? So um, in terms of depression, like it, you said, difficult moments and whatnot, right? I, I think anxiety, if I'm looking at things from a higher level, anxiety can sometimes be more of those pinpoint acute um, moments on the calendar, right? It's we have a, a first date, we have a job interview, we have an important conversation that we need to have with someone. We don't know how we're going to pay our bills, something like that. Like we have moments on the calendar or at the very least like moments in time that eventually those things will pass. And then it's like, okay, maybe a different anxiety provoking event comes up, but um, it's, it's more acute. I think depression is, is th- what makes depression so difficult is that it's, it's almost like this nebulous blob, right? It's this cloud that hangs over us all the time. It can be really difficult to get that cloud to move, so to speak. And when I talk about like, I guess what I want to talk about a little bit is, is my second book. So in that book, it's called Get Out of Your Head, Volume 2, Navigating the Abyss of Depression. That was you know, the same sort of book as my first one, where it was basically me telling personal stories, um, right. incorporating research about, you know, the the disease of uh, the 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 subject of the book right so for that second book it's like me telling my own uh, story of a battle that I had with depression what led me there what helped me get out of it and then also bringing in a lot of the science to be like research tells us this this is how I applied that to my journey or this is how you could apply that to your own battle right um, so that specific battle with anxiety, it, oh, excuse me, <laughs> depression. That was, that was a difficult one. I mean, I mean, I'm not, you know, this is, I never want to come on these shows and be like, poor me, this is the suffering. <laughs> I, need, right. I know I don't, I know that there is, uh, there's endless suffering in the world, right? But I'm just here to tell my stories in hopes that uh, they inspire some people. So in 2018, which, you know, is the, the, the setting around which that second book was written, I just had a bunch of like sort of a, a confluence of different events arise in my life that sort of pushed me into this state of despair. So um, it, the the first one basically was like, uh, I had gotten this new job that I had kept telling myself. I was like, you know, people say um, there there are, there's a term like called an I'll be happy when statement. And I think mm. a lot of us say to ourselves, I will be happy when I have a million dollars. I will be happy when, you know, I learned to play the guitar. I'll be happy when I'm finally able to travel to Spain, something like that. Right. One of the difficulties with a statement like that is that it's it's pushing our happiness off into the future. And, mm. you know, a lot of people say, like, there's, there's no such thing as the future. There's only kind of right now, right? There's only the present moment. And I know that's a little new age or whatever. But if you think about it, right, if you're like, I'll be happy when that, when that happens, like, what happens if that never, never occurs, right? Absolutely. Like, are we setting some precedent for ourselves uh, that says, uh, like, okay, if, if I never learn to play the guitar, I'll never be happy. I mean, probably not, but like a lot of us still hold on to these phrases, right? So I had one of these phrases that basically said, you know, I was in a job that I didn't enjoy. If I could just get this other job, it's like, a, you know, basically remote software development. I'll have more freedom over my schedule. I'll be able to, you know, take more time to write books and blog posts and, uh, and travel and all that stuff. I was like, if I could just get that job, I will be happy. And not only was I not happy, but I actually like <laughs> the, 
<laughs> the the work that I was doing was just so unfulfilling. And, I, and it's it's not to again none of the, none of these conversations are to speak poorly of people. It's just to describe the stories. Correct. Correct. So I was on this project, like basically it was for a large corporation. Uh, and they just weren't in a position for us to do anything. So they were like, you know, keep waiting. Like, we'll have work for you to do. And it was like, show up to the office, maybe work at home, whatever. Sit there, twiddle your thumbs. Um, um, you know, if 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 that if I went through that again today, I think I would have been smarter and said, all right, we're just going to write a bunch of blog posts and not tell anybody about it, right? That's what we're going to do. Um, but I was not smart at the time. And I'm not saying I'm smart, smart now, but maybe a tiny bit smarter than I was previously. And so at the time, I just basically sat there and was like, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna twiddle my thumbs. I'm gonna read like you know software development articles. I uh, was miserable. It it was not fun. It was not fulfilling. I was not present. I I just wasn't engaged in what I was doing. So right. there was there was this uh, you know I talked earlier about discrepancy, disparity, rifts, all that sort of thing. So uh -huh. in my mind there was there's a big gap between expectations and reality. I was like I was supposed to be happy with this job. I'm not. At the same time, um, I would call it something of a quarter life crisis. I took my uh, my uh, my nephew to a fair where my parents live, you know, in the town mm -hmm. where my parents live. And it was one of those whirlwind moments where like, I'm taking him on all the rides that my parents used to take me on. And I'm like, <laughs> it hit me in the face. It was like, holy crap. I'm a quarter of the way through my life. My nephew is getting older. Uh, it's like, I'm going to be dead soon, right? You know, one yep. of those moments, like I'm not happy and I'm going to be dead soon. And then that same day, actually, I got home. One reason or another, I stumbled into all this I read this article online and, and basically sent me down this rabbit hole into researching climate science. And, you know, uh, if you if you read the wrong science, I don't want to say the wrong science. If you read a scary article, right, it will tell you that the world is going to uh, hell in a handbasket tomorrow. Right. We're going to pollute the planet right now. Right now. Right, we're going. right now. And, and I'm, this is not to debate like the science or anything like that. Like I I am a firm believer that the things that we are doing to the planet are not good. Now, whether that means not good tomorrow, not good in 2000 <laughs> exactly. years, I have no idea. I just know that we're doing bad things, right? So I'm in this quarter life crisis. I'm thinking about like, you know, how the not only I'm going to be dead soon, but everybody on the planet is going to be dead soon because we are just destroying, annihilating the planet. Um, from there, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the last piece of the puzzle was my grandmother ended up passing away shortly thereafter. Mm. And again, it was, um, you know, none of the, I wouldn't say that any of these things, like, thank God, like I did not come into some unforeseen horrific tragedy, right? I know, my, grandma, right? my grandmother was 90 years old. She lived an amazing life. I mean, she struggled with cancer and dementia and whatnot, but excuse me, I uh, get a little emotional when I talk about it. I can say this. I understand it's grandma, man. I'm yeah. sorry for your loss there, bro. Thank you. Um, and so, you know, was I didn't go through any horrific tragedy. It was more like, you know, just moving on through life and realizing that things were passing by before my eyes and sort of having this quarter life crisis, right? And so it was a long period of me questioning everything, questioning death, existence, life, all of that stuff. And I went mm -hmm. so, so far into my head, you know, oh man, just like, you know, if you go far enough into that climate science stuff, and then also the fate of the planet and the fate of mankind and AI and all that, like you can drive yourself absolutely crazy. <laughs> and that's what I did for about a year. Like I didn't mean to, right? But it was like, you get yourself in this state, you feel like you can't get yourself out of it. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden that's where you're living every day. And so slowly, like, I, I don't even want to say slowly, but surely, I'm just going to say slowly. Uh, you know, I, I sort of looked at where I was in my life and I was like, dude, this is bad. Um, and I need to, you know, I already have this brand uh, focused on mental health centered mm -hmm. around my first book on anxiety of telling people how I dealt with 
some of my past experiences, my past struggles. I was like, I don't exactly know what it's going to be, but I do know that like, I'm going to eventually get through this battle with depression. Right. I'm going to turn around and kind of have the same, same game plan, right? I'm going to talk to people about how I battle, like how I figured this thing out for myself in hopes of sharing that story and helping others through the same situation. And again, it's not, it's not self-promotion. It's not me like me being, Oh, poor me, anything like that. It's just, how do I take this thing that I, you know, I deem negative and really poorly, uh, really difficult, really challenging and use it in a positive fashion, right? Cause Absolutely. Like, what else are you doing? Right. It's like, if you're not doing that, what else are you doing? So um, that was, it was just one of the, another one of those moments I was like, I have to go on that same exact journey that I've been on of like, I'm turning this thing into something positive. I'm going to try to help other people. So that is the foundation of the story. Um, I guess, why don't I pause and say, what questions do you have? And like, how do you want to transition into, you know, some of the tactics, some of the, the philosophies around like maybe getting out of depression, something like that? That part we will tackle, Brian. Before we tackle that, guys, I do want to jump into this real quick. Guys, don't forget. Uh, do me a favor. I say this all the time. Guys, do me a favor. There is a link that is now in your ch in the chat. There is a link that is in the chat. And I want you to click on that link when you get a chance. Guys, listen, you all know that Walmart is an affiliate sponsor of TMG. Tell me something good podcast. I don't want your money. What I do want you to do is I want you to go shopping. Do it what you normally do. Shop, shop, shop. Whether it's the Walmart pickup or whether you're buying something special for the holidays that's coming up or for that special person that's in your life. Do me a favor, guys, and click on the link that's in the chat. Or if you are using another device, you can scan the QR code that you see on your screen. Keep in mind, I may earn a commission when you buy through this link. So please click on the link that's in the chat. Shop, shop, shop. Yeah, did I say it again? Shop. Yeah, that's what I want you to do, guys, is to use that link. And it will remain in the chat so you can use it. So that, that is the good point there, Brian. What are some of the things that you use, the techniques and tools, that you need, that you use in order to kind of deal with this and work through this because people are dealing with depression, like I said, anxiety a lot of times. Mostly, it's a silent thing. And you mentioned 1.1Q uh, was to have a strong, a strong support team around you. So what are some things that you use to help kind of come out of this rabbit hole that you find yourself in and to flip that switch, so to speak? Yeah. Um, so... Obviously, we're, we were talking about depression. Do you want me to answer this in the context of anxiety, depression, anything mental health? What do you think? Whatever works for you, man. Uh, because there's a there's usually sometimes it's usually a fine line between anxiety and depression because sometimes anxiety leads to it. Uh, but answer it in the context of someone who's listening right now who says, "Man, you know, Brian, I hear what you're saying, and that was me." Not in college, but that's me now. That's me with my kids, my wife, my job. That's that's me right now. Yeah, I mean, oh man, it's like I could talk about this stuff for hours. Let me let me try to present something. Let's see if it's interesting. So, I come from a software development background. I write a lot of software. I build mobile apps, that sort of thing. 
you spend a lot of time in any avenue doing anything for 40 hours a week, whatever it is. And then you go have a, you know, a side hustle nights and weekends sort of gig. Those two things are inevitably going to bleed into one. So there's this concept from the computer science world, uh, basically called state management. So it's like in a software program, uh, that, that program is responsible for sort of managing all the inputs that come into the system, right? So let's say, you know, you're, you're typing in Microsoft Word, right? There are the keystrokes, there are, um, you know, some of the buttons that you're type that you're pressing at the top of the menu and, and things like that. All of all of those inputs are gathered by the system and then managed in, in a way that it'll say like, oh, I'm currently in editing mode, right? I'm currently in suggestion mode, something like that. Um, each of those modes, so to speak, becomes a state. And then uh, the way that state management works or the concept in software development is that, um, you know, a, a program functions in a specific fashion based on the state in which it is in, right? Not, not necessarily rocket science, but still an interesting concept. Um, the, the other notion, I guess, is, is that um, to get from one state to another, you sometimes or you usually need to do specific things, right? So um, in software development or when you're building software, it's like there may be three states to get from, st you, you, it's possible that you couldn't get directly from state one to state three. You may need to go one to two, two to three, so on and so forth. Um, if we take that concept and we say, rather than like, you know, vague, like software states, uh, let's talk about emotional states, right? We all get into different emotional states on a daily basis. There you go. So a lot of the work that I do are like this, this sort of framework that I'm, uh, that I'm trying to pose here, right? Is basically us saying to ourselves, okay, let me figure out which states I get into and out of on a regular basis. Let me sort of create a map. Almost, uh, you know, th these are called state machine diagrams in the, in the software development world. So I, I talk about these, <laughs> these in, in my work as well. We want to create our own state machine diagrams. We want to say, okay, on a regular basis, I'm in a joyous state. I'm in a depressed state. Mm -hmm. I'm in a hopeful state. I'm in a worried state. Then what we need to do is we need to figure out what are the actions that you can take or you normally do take to move to one state to an, from one state to another. Uh, right. and also, how do you act in those specific states, right? And then are there ways that you could potentially come with some awareness and say, oh, I'm doing that thing in that state. Again, I need a break. Right. So the theory that, or you know, the, the thing that I want to posit here is basically we need to figure out, and this goes back to the toolkit, right? It's like, we need to figure out what those states are, but then we also need to figure out the ways by which we move from one of those states to another. So, you know, putting it in plain English, what are some of the things that make you feel better when you are angry? There you go. Right? Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's listening to your favorite song. Maybe it's doing 10 jumping jacks, calling a friend. There are endless possibilities. The, the, the whole thing, right, is like this is, this is really, uh, I'll call it, you know, there's macro and micro, right? It's like this is, this is micro stuff of, of figuring out I'm in this specific situation right now. What is something that I, that I can do to change that emotional state? So developing that toolkit that we talk about is basically coming up with all of those different tactics for yourself, whether it's completely on your own with my help, you read one of my books, something like that. You you start putting those ideas in your toolkit. Um, the other, you know, I, I think I think I'm going to kind of pause here, but also just give a, a quick preview. Is like there is also, you know, sometimes we have to focus on the macro stuff, the bigger, bigger. higher level stuff, right? Exactly. So like, and I, and I think I'm not, I'm not positive, but I, I think in general, anxiety can be more of that micro. Depression can be more of that macro. Um, exactly. We, we can dive into it a little bit more like in, you know, in another part of the conversation, but in the second book that I wrote, um, I do focus a lot more on those high level buckets, right? So you, uh, there's, there's a model, um, a model that sometimes people come up with it. It's a, 
It's basically a model for evaluating where diseases come from. It's called the biopsychosocial model. People sometimes apply it to the concept of depression. So uh, biopsychosocial is a portmanteau of uh, three different words, biological, psychological, and social. Those are three high-level macro buckets, right? Right. So biological, we can say, you know, how are we using our bodies? What food are we eating? Exactly. Um, you know, what in? Exactly. Our, 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 our brains, our genetics, all that sort of stuff. Uh, psychological is more, what are the thoughts that we are thinking? What beliefs do we hold? How do those things affect us? Correct. Uh, and, then, and then social is, is sort of the, the large, vague other bucket. Where do we live? Do we have friends? Do we like our relationships? Do we like our jobs? Those sorts of things. The theory on the macro level when it comes to depression, and I apologize, I said I was going to pause, but I'm just going through. Um, when it comes to depression, if any of those buckets falls out of whack, you know, to a large degree, it's, it's likely or possible that we could experience depression. Um, at the same time, if all three of those fall down a little bit, we could also experience depression, right? It's like if we are not necessarily where we want to be in our lives, if our expectations for where we were supposed to be versus where we are right now oh, yeah. do not match reality, boom. That's the equation for depression in, in some sense, right? Absolutely. Um, and so I, I think kind of coming up with that toolkit and being able to have the view of both the micro and the macro can be really important. At the same time, I think that it's important to link these two things together and say that just as we can sometimes get ourselves out of an anxious state by saying, I'm going to go for a walk and, and kind of get this fear out of me. Um, even though like depression, it can be really, really overwhelming and difficult, right? It's like if we can add enough of those wins together, eventually we can help move that dark cloud that's hovering over us. And so it's really important. Like the reason I stress the state stuff so much is it, it's foundational, right? It's, it's the, the elemental Correct. thing. And if, if, like, if we can manage our emotional state on a regular basis, it's much more likely that whether it's a micro or a macro issue that we're dealing with, we're eventually going to get through. Guys, that is the switch that we're talking about right there. Sometimes, guys, listen... It, we won't be able to eliminate everything, every bad moment from happening. In other words, we can't stop it from raining. Sometimes it will just rain. Sometimes it will be just too hot for us to go outside. Sometimes it will be cloudy. And sometimes it'll be windy. We won't always find or have perfect conditions in our lives. But Brian said something. We have to be able to manage the switch. Guys, do me a favor. I want you, everybody, to thank Brian for being here. He showed us and told us about what his book, guys. Brian's book. What's the name of your book, Brian? Both of the books are called Get Out of Your Head. First one is Get Out of Your Head, A Toolkit for Living with and Overcoming Anxiety. Second one is Get Out of Your Head, Volume 2, Navigating the Abyss of Depression. Wow. I'm going to put up a picture of Brian's book, guys, uh, right here. Where can they find this book, Brian? Yeah, you could go to my website. Uh, it's getoutofyourhead.com. That's all one word, no dashes, no spaces. You'll find links to the book there. Uh, if you want to go directly to an online retailer, you'll find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple, Kobo. I think there's one more retailer. I just can't remember. Oh, it's uh, Google Books. Um, so you could find it all there. If you do go looking for it on a specific website, um, just know there is another book that has done really well. Uh, with the same name, um, <laughs> lot, it, it gets confusing. A lot of people are like, hey, you know, which one is yours? Where is it? That sort of thing. It might be more helpful to type in my name, but if you know what the book cover looks like, that could also help. There you go. I placed Brian's uh, social media information, guys, and his website information 
in the link. It is there. His LinkedIn. There's all the information you need for Brian. Look, that book title as well as the book cover. You can't miss the book cover. Trust me, you cannot miss that book cover. Guys, listen. I want to thank our very special guest, Brian Sacheta, for being here. And Brian, I didn't even ask you if that's the proper way to, to pronounce your last name. Sacheta. I think I think you got it. Well, close, man. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get it there. I'm trying to get it there. Tachetta, right? Sacheta? Yeah. Let's see, there we go. Uh guys, Brian, thank you so much for being part of the show today, guys. You have added value to everyone that's listening. I know you have it. Can y'all let me stop? Look, everybody here we go start now. Thank you, Miss Laura Hunter. Wonderful podcast. We appreciate that. They will not let me go home, even though I'm already at home. Can I finish the show? Please. Goodness. Hey, we delivered uh, good information, you know. I know. Let me go home. I gotta eat. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, Laura. She Laura always tunes in. She always watches. She enjoys the show a lot. So we gotta give a huge short shout out to Laura Hunter for joining in each week, man. We appreciate that and all your love that you bring to the show. Guys, what we're saying and everything that we shared tonight, guys, even the best of us need help from time to time, okay? A switch gives us that control back that we may need. Uh, finding that switch of control is important because it will allow us to function in what we can be in otherwise pressure-filled situations. It does not mean we'll have some magic or even we won't feel the pressure of life. That's not what it means. It does ensure knowing that the switch is there. We can that when the switch is there, that we can have our handy switch that's there whenever we need the need will arise. So doesn't mean you won't feel the pressure when you walk in the room, but just knowing that that switch works on the wall makes a heck of a lot of difference for us, guys. You know how we do it, guys. Don't forget tune in next week. 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have another special guest. Brian, before we get out of here, man, is there anything you want to say before we break out tonight? Yeah, I just want to say to folks listening in, like, remember, you are not alone in, in these battles. Uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, my heart goes out to you. Like, keep fighting. It, uh, you know, things will get better. I am not. That is not to trivialize what you're going through, but just to give you some hope. Absolutely. Somebody said they can't wait to read the book already. My gosh, so we got here to already get in your book, Brian. So that's awesome, man. That's the whole point about it, like getting good information into the hands of all of our listeners. Guys, you know how we do it. Yeah, you know how we do it. It's a standard time, 7 p.m. Eastern, for the brand new episode of PMG. That's Tell Me Something Good podcast. Hey, guys, you can stream your favorite episodes on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Guys, before we get out of here, you know how we do it. And if party, if you're going to tell me something, then tell me something good. I got to go. I'm out of here. Peace. Say goodbye. 
your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.